So me and my brother, we've always been involved from a young age in hospitality. Um, obviously living above a pub, you're always involved with coming and going, um, food, beer. We want to do like a bit of an artisan, um, a bit more like fresh sourdough, uh, freshly baked brioche, ginger pig sausages, specialty coffee. And the builders used to come in and they used to give us such a hard time about the price. And they didn't understand that it had changed from a greasy spoon to an artisan style. The builders decided that this cafe wasn't there for them anymore. Yep. And all the local moms and the families and the people that moved to the area started to use us. When we opened, I mean, we had about an influx of two or three weeks where it was just full. Uh, breakfast and lunch, which is amazing. You've got to definitely believe in the brand. You've got to believe in, the, in what you want to achieve. Our eating habits are changing. We're demanding better dining experiences and the food market has never been so competitive. Starting and succeeding with a food business is challenging, but some determined and passionate entrepreneurs are flourishing. These people have big dreams, big passion and big drive. They are disruptors change makers and innovators. They see a positive future. Many say that food business is too risky. Some say that it has huge rewards. Are you up for the challenge? In today's episode, I sit down with James from Lupo Bros, an all day dining cafe here in London. James, uh, with his brother, they grew up in a family surrounded by food uh, and hospitality, uh, where his father had a pub. So really, hospitality is in their blood. Uh, they had amazing foundation and learnings uh, from an early age. Uh, they then went on to study hospitality and spent quite a few years working in some great places, uh, in particular around London. Um, they've gone from strength to strength since opening and really now at the point of growth, I think, coming out of COVID. Um, really passionate about food, coffee, hospitality. It's so clear and it really drives them uh, from a deep place. And even to the extent where they're roasting their own coffee now and they have big visions of going around the world uh, with their coffee um, through wholesale. And I think there's, there's big things on the horizon for Lupa Bros. So sit back, enjoy, James from Looper Bros. So I know Looper Bros is a family business. That's your, right. Yourself yeah. and your brother mm -hmm. working quite closely together. But I know your father as well has been a big influence on you, especially in terms of hospitality and food uh, growing up. Tell us about your family heritage and in particular, how I guess you developed that passion and, and knowledge of food. Well, uh, me and my brother were actually um, born in the, um, in the, in the, in the pub business so my okay. father was a manager for M&B yeah so he came from Sicily to the UK when he was about 18 and uh, he started working for Joe Conti who had a Italian restaurant like club in Wolverhampton and from there his career progressed to working for Mitchells and Butlers so me and my brother we've always been involved from a young age in hospitality um, obviously living above a pub you're always involved with coming and going um, food beer I love hospitality, so we've always had it from a young age. And he, 
wanted to have his own restaurant and eventually in 1991 he opened his restaurant in Wolverhampton called Gepetto's and being Italian it was very traditional old school Italian Chianti bottles on the ceiling a lot of parma ham fresh pasta so um, it's always been around since we were very small okay amazing so you were one of those kids kind of in and around yeah. the operations every day yeah pretty much um, we'd get picked up from school we'd have to go to the restaurant probably have something to eat there then go home but weekends, it was what we were, it was part of just our daily life. Yeah. Um, going to the market. I remember going to the market as a young boy, um, helping out on a Saturday weekend work. So it was very much a family restaurant. Amazing. What a great foundation to have. Yeah, it was definitely interesting, and yeah. it was also good with the uh, other kids at school. They used to want to come over when we had like, birthday parties, and yeah. it was a great way to just celebrate special events. Sure. And at that stage, did you? realize or were you conscious of a passion for food and hospitality or was it just like you said part of day-to-day -day life you didn't really think about it that way well yeah you, as you grow up I mean you um, just get absorbed into it and I'm very much of an outgoing I can talk to anybody type of person I think that comes from my father's uh, charismatic flair if you like yeah and also just meeting different people every day okay. chatting to them finding about their life story what they do where they live and you, you make friends I and mean, customers come back repeat business and you know it becomes part of your livelihood okay interesting and tell us then about the Italian influence in you so obviously your father being mm -hmm. Italian but have you traveled much in Italy at all or I mean every summer we used to try and go back to Sicily to see okay. like grandparents and um, aunties uncles so um, yeah there's always I mean fresh fish because obviously in Sicily right next to the sea so stuff like swordfish um, King prawns, calamari, octopus, you know, just caught fresh in the morning and it'd be on the dinner table for yeah. the for evening. It'd just a bit of olive oil, garlic, fantastic. Okay, sounds amazing. Yeah, just pan fried. Okay. A bit of white wine. Amazing. <laughs> um, so then, so you're obviously growing up in that environment, you have the passion, mm -hmm. you're obviously building up an amazing amount of knowledge and experience yes. in that world. At what stage did you? think okay now I want to spend the rest of my life doing this and build a business around this I think um, when we were at, when I was 18 we, um, we I decided to go to university I did one year at university and I just realized the academic side wasn't really what I wanted to do yeah so I, I stopped uh, I went to Manchester University I, st I stopped um, after one year and I went back to working in my father's restaurant and we just thought we could we could expand this we could open in Birmingham or you know we could try and develop it further so um, we opened in Birmingham in just before the, the credit crunch it didn't go as planned a few things happened so we decided to close it down but we always kept the one in Wolverhampton and then uh, as time went on I just thought me and my brother thought we should go to London so my wife at the time she was six months pregnant and uh, we decided to move to London and we didn't really have any money, to be honest. So we rented a one bedroom flat and we just thought we'll get jobs in London just to get a bit of experience of the London market, see what's out there. And then we, um, we did that for about five years. And then after five years, we found this little cafe in Durnford Road that was closed down. And it was a typical builder's cafe. So it was um, very, you know, one pound, tea in a tea bag, cup of tea, very cheap and cheerful. Greasy spoon. Greasy spoon yeah. type of yeah. Yeah, cafe. Yeah. 
and we went to do like a bit of an artisan, a um, bit more like fresh sourdough, uh, freshly baked brioche, ginger pig sausages, specialty coffee, and we thought because Southfield was an up and coming area, we thought there'd be a market there of demand. So we um, we approached the landlord, and they were like, we don't know, we're not sure of your concept because they they were the family, they were the landlords, but also they were the cafe owners. Okay. So we had to convince them to give us the lease. So after about two months of negotiating, we decided to take this lease on. And uh, we opened up the cafe, we did a few small alterations. Okay. The kitchen was already there, it was a very nice kitchen. They had 45 seats in the front. So we opened this cafe and we were charging, um, I think at the time it was like £5.50 for a um, bacon sandwich, but it had the chilli relish on there, it was on sourdough. It was um, uh, bacon from HG Water, very good quality, yeah. uh, my bacon. And the builders used to come in and they used to give us such a hard time about the price. And they didn't understand that it had changed from a greasy spoon to an artisan style. Quality piece, yeah. yeah. So eventually it took six months of building it up that the builders decided that this cafe wasn't there for them anymore. Yeah. And all the local moms and the families and the people that moved to the area started to use us. And then it just took off from there, really. So did you keep the same name as the previous? No. Season? It changed, okay. Everything changed. So the name changed. Yeah. The interior changed slightly. We had a, a wall that was plastered and they had like football shirts on. Okay. So we took all that down and we got some uh, reclaimed floorboards that I bought off like a salvage yard. Yeah. And me and my brother actually put them on the wall. So we did a lot of the work ourselves, changed all the light fittings and just made it a bit more cozy. Okay. If that's the... Um, Interesting. So was this Looper Bros at that stage? Or was this yeah, that's the that start the, of Looper Bros, okay. 2016. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was an interesting time. Okay. It was just me and my brother at the beginning. Yeah. And we didn't have anybody like working with us. I think we sure. had like one, one KP who was doing like weekend work. Sure. And I had one person in the front helping me out, okay. serving the customers on the table. Sure. And now at the moment we've got about 30 staff. Wow, amazing, amazing. So. It'd be great to just to rewind. So yes. I think in particular, I think those early um, uh, business opportunities that yes. don't quite work out yes. don't become successful. Yes. I think there's always lots of juicy learnings from yes. that. Can you talk through like what, what didn't work and why do you think, and looking back at it now? I think um, too much ambition sometimes. Okay. Where you try and run before you can walk. Yeah. I think in business you really need to build a strong foundation. And you need to be good at everything, all aspects. So it's okay being good at hospitality or customer service or you have a really amazing chef. But you also need the um, back office to be just as equally as good. Mm. Your accounting, um, your solicitors, your HR, your training and recruitment. Um, everything needs to be spot on because sure. if, you, if you miss one of those areas, that it, it's, you need a really solid base to, sure. to build on. Sure. Okay. Makes sense. And I know you worked in some great places as yes. well, uh, Boca de Lupo as an yes. example. How important was that journey and kind of going out and getting experience with, with some other employers and operators? Yeah, I mean, Boca de Lupo is a fantastic Italian restaurant. I mean, I've got to be honest, one of the best restaurants I've, um, I've actually worked in or even eaten in, to be, to be okay. honest. Yeah. Uh, it was very tightly run. I mean, when I was there, they were doing two services, um, for lunch and three seatings for dinner and that was pretty much seven days per week okay and you were front of house yeah front of house working as a waiter serving customers yeah 
and uh, yeah, it was just a very tightly run ship. Yeah. Everybody had their sections. The kitchen was spot on. Yeah. Uh, preparation was amazing. Uh, food service quality, ingredients. Yeah. Very good place. Very good eye-opening learning experience. Okay. And what did that give you then when you went and started your own venture? Do you think? I think it gave um, a good solid foundation of the expectations we need to reach. Okay. Where we need to aim for. It gives you a benchmark. A benchmark, it? definitely. And um, if we get anywhere near the uh, the quality and the service standards that some of these places have worked at, then I'll be very happy. Okay, okay. And then uh, let's talk about Looper Bros. So then in terms of the concept. So it makes sense. You found mm -hmm. a, a site and it was an existing cafe and you transition into something that's better quality and yes. more aligned with what you want. Um, did you have a clear vision in mind at like the early stage as to what you wanted it to be or was it just taking one step at a time and iterating i think it was taking one step at a time yeah. and finding out what works and what doesn't work okay um i think we try to do a takeaway aspect to the cafe yeah which does work but it then jeopardizes the people that sit in the, the quality or the time okay. it takes for the chef to prepare the food so we had to adapt as we went along Okay. However, it's just a very easygoing cafe with very good, high-quality ingredients yeah. that we just prepare really well and we serve with a smile. I mean, that's generally the concept that we wanted to create. Okay. Just something affordable and where you can come in, have a bite to eat, have a cup of coffee yeah. and then carry on with your day. Okay. And at that stage, did you have a vision to open multiple sites or to grow something more substantial or was it... Kind of just keep it small at that stage. At that stage, keep it small. Yeah. I mean, we always fancied to open in central London. That was always the dream to come to London, open okay. in central, Soho, Petrovia, Marleybone, and it, and we've been looking for many years to try and find the right opportunity. I think the the one benefit from a business point of view of the pandemic, although obviously you know a lot of people suffered and it was a bit difficult for people, was the opportunity that um, allowed you to enter the, the London market. So, um, from a business point of view, uh, that was our opportunity to get our foot in the door. Absolutely. If you like. Yeah, makes sense. I think it's interesting. I know your opening hours are focused on morning and afternoon. Yes. You're not opening in the evening. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, mm -hmm. interesting. So, tell us about that decision in the first place and, and why now are you changing? So, we, we, we did want to do all day offering. You, you did we did we okay. did want to do all day yeah. offering and um, we still have plans to do all day offering in central so okay. when we took the um, the lease on in august 2021 it was still very a lot of turmoil with going working from home where office workers return to work tourist travel so we opened in a very peculiar time in september when we did open the um the, the working from home order was being relaxed and people being encouraged to come back to the office. However, it wasn't until about October, November did we notice a big increase in footfall and sales started to creep up. However, at the end of November, when the um, government announced, obviously, uh, this new variant and um, made everybody panic, we were unsure what to do because we didn't really anticipate with the vaccines, the double vaccines, the booster, we thought we were coming out the other side of the pandemic mm. so in december and january it was a very difficult period because we didn't know what was going to happen next really. sure sure okay and, and then why now are you, are you kind of pushing the opening hours and trying to push into that evening so, so we thought 
now obviously the um, it seems that the pandemic's generally coming to the end. Yeah. So now that there's more tourists being welcomed, there's more office people coming to back to work. There's going to be a lot more footfall and a lot more scope to okay increase the business. Okay. And I think um, opening evenings is the right thing to do, especially in Charlotte Street. It's a very foodie destination. Uh, there's a lot of good offerings on the street to eat, drink. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Street Hotel is opposite. Yep. So we think there'd be a good demand for uh, loop of those in the evenings. Okay, so the opportunity exists there. Right? I think so, so yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just, uh, I guess going a little bit deeper on that, just from what I experience with different operators, mm -hmm. sometimes it can be challenging, I think from more of a brand perspective yes. and a perception to attract people for early morning and then late in the evening. And I think getting your menu right and your price point, your style of service, etc. But probably more so your marketing and mm -hmm. again that image identity how do you go about that what's what's your thoughts on that at this stage because you're kind of at that moment where you're exactly extending. so we're still doing some menu testing okay. and we're doing some menu planning so we haven't uh, fully committed exactly the concept for the evening however to get the transition between breakfast lunch and dinner is um, a very valid point yeah i think um we want to do a menu that's going to be like an order all day so maybe from 12 noon until okay. say 10 p.m. at night. Something easy going, something with the fish on there, something with the meat, maybe a pasta, and use the um, inspiration as growing up through Italy and um, create something that's gonna be interesting for customers to enjoy. Okay, and you mentioned Italy there, so mm -hmm. obviously the Italian influence Definitely, will yes. always be there, I guess. 100%. Um, how do you go about developing your dishes? Like, do you consciously want an Italian influence or is there something you're striving for within each dish, or how does it how does it work? Well, my brother's more into the the, the, the cooking side of the business, okay. and he likes to experiment with um, different cookbooks. He likes to go to different restaurants. He looks at what's on trend at the moment. There's a um, a big influence from Instagram. Obviously, you can see what's really trending, what's really popular, what yep. looks good, what looks exciting. So we're just doing a bit of uh, brainstorming together. Okay. to try and create something that's going to be um, interesting for customers to uh, enjoy. Okay, and I guess you're learning over the years as well. You're figuring out what, what, what people want. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, and I know coffee is another big element of the concept for yes. you. Yes. And something you're passionate about as well. Tell us about that journey, because didn't you roast your own coffee at the beginning? So, so. when we first started, we were buying the coffee from Monmouth uh, Coffee oh, yeah. Company. Yep. So they've been going for like 45 years. Um, started in Burr Market, well actually started in Covent Garden and then they moved to Burr Market and they're very successful, they've got a great website, they sell a lot of retail, yeah. um, they're um, very big on the environment as well. I've just read recently they, um, they're stopping using disposable cups, Okay. so you have to bring your own reusable cup. Wow. So they, they, you know, they always try and step, keep one step ahead. Yeah. So we started buying the coffee from these guys and it's great coffee and then um, we said, you know what, well, we could we could roast the coffee ourselves, but you know, we could try. So we employed a guy called Sofian, and um, he came on board as a barista to begin with, and he was always pushing to roast the coffee. And we thought, well, it's a big investment, the roaster costs a lot of money, then you need a warehouse. And uh, he did a lot of research, and he found some uh, roasters that did slot roasting. Okay. So Press Coffee was one of the companies that we went, used their roaster, we bought the green beans 
um, roasted it, cupped it, tried it, make sure the quality was there. And we were very happy with what we produced. So um, as we are roasting more and more, I think we started with like maybe 50 kilos of coffee. Okay. And now we're roasting like 200 kilos of coffee. Wow. So, so you're still roasting today? Yeah, we're still okay. roasting our own coffee. And now we've moved to re-roast, which okay. is based in um, Elephant and Castle. Okay. So they have a big um, complex there where we rent the roastery for like half a day. Okay. And we're roasting something like 250, 300 kilos of green beans. Okay, amazing. What, what's driving that decision? Is it control over a certain taste profile or is it cost or, or, or combination or what? Combination of the factors really. Okay. I mean, it's good to keep it in-house. Yeah. So it's another uh, string to our bow. Yeah. And um, we've got full control over the coffee. We can source the coffee. Yeah. And uh, we also want to uh, expand and do retail, online retail coffee sales. Uh -huh. Okay. And possibly wholesale. Amazing. So we're looking so it's at another stream for the business then. Yes, just because obviously everything's moving online, mm. and there's a big influence. And with the lockdown and people working from home, mm. a lot of these um, domestic coffee machines yeah. have become very, very popular. So there's a there's a definitely a, a growing market there for mm. uh, coffee sales at home. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And I guess to have that other stream as well, you're building the brand, you're strengthening and deepening that brand as well. Just, yes. just going to add value to the business essentially and I guess strength and stability as well um, tell us about getting that brand out there you mentioned Instagram obviously super important yes how do you uh, get out there get exposure get traction um, well we, we are obviously customers that come to the cafe we started to sell the retail coffee in, in the actual in the in store in the cafe okay. and that's been very popular okay. so customers are obviously drinking coffee in the shop, in the coffee shop, yeah. and they're enjoying it, so they're buying uh, beans for home. Okay. Um, the website, we're just having the uh, website re re rebuilt now, okay. so that would be a, um, a good platform to get out there. Yeah. Instagram, again, yeah. um, and then um, maybe some advertising on yeah. different um, media. Social media advertising? Or a combination, yeah. really. Okay. I mean, um, our marketing agency, uh, Mimo, who are very involved in our expansion, they've got a proposal where they're working through different strategies to try and push the Lupo brand out there and get okay. people talking about us. Okay, okay, makes sense. And um, obviously you're working quite closely with your brother. Yes. You mentioned that he's more focused on the food side yeah, of things. Yeah, he's, he's more food. Okay, do you have a, a clear division of roles? And I guess there's an overlap, but how do you kind of divide your time and, and your areas of focus so uh, Matthew's um, very involved in the kitchen aspects dealing with the chefs recruiting the chefs training the chefs in how he wants them to work and the method and yeah. the uh, recipes and I'm more dedicated on the front of house side okay. so I try and recruit the baristas the um, front of house the managers okay. and try and keep the standards to a you know relatively high level yeah. so we try and split the the workload like that and then obviously paperwork accounting office work we try and do that one, one day per week go okay. through it brainstorm okay and keep on top of all the all the behind the scenes sure back of house areas. yes yeah. that makes sense that seems like it's a nice natural split between both of you i mean it, it is it's working well at the moment i mean yeah. we do have our moments when it gets a bit too much but that's you know it's brothers for you yeah. exactly yeah. okay and has that changed now you have three sites have you had to kind of pull up and out of day-to-day -day operations or 
you're still managing to kind of stay on the ground? We do try and go to each cafe every day just to keep in okay. touch what's going on. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the same time, I've got a lot of regular customers that I know personally. So it's always nice to pop in there, speak to the customers, make sure that, you know, the, the, the operation's running smoothly. But yeah, it's getting a bit more, we're getting a bit more time restricted. So we've got to work faster. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and have you taken external investment or another partner or is it still just the two of you? No, just the two of us. Okay. Um, when we first started, we had to borrow a lot of money from the bank personally. Okay. And uh, I think at this stage, we're still borrowing a lot of money from the bank personally. So okay. it, it's, it's all uh, self-invested. Yeah. Sure. So it's just me and my brother, really. Sure. But I guess you're retaining control and yes. positive to that as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so you launched 2016? 2016. First restaurant? Yeah, Dernsford Road, 377. Okay. Uh, how, how did that go, I guess, as a launch? And did you have any major challenges kind of transitioning and growing that? Or I think, was um, it quite smooth? I think it was um, helpful that it was already an existing cafe. Sure. So it already had the, um, it was a known uh, location with the local community sure. that it was a cafe. Obviously, it was totally different to the cafe that was there before. And the transition from the old customers to the new customers, or the new style of service, should we say, the new style of setup, was, um, yeah, it was quite tricky, actually. But then once we settled down, it, it, it went really well, it took off. Okay. So after about, I think it was um, three years in, we opened in Isheen, okay. the second site. Okay. I think that's always a tricky decision to make, when to take the leap and open a second site. And obviously you had that solid foundation, but was there mm. a moment or analysis you did or why, why and when did you do it at that point? Um, well, we've always been looking for sites and um, in London it's, you know, real estate, property, it's, it's always very difficult. There's a lot of competition. Um, when we looked at Isheen, we went to a viewing. I mean, we know Isheen quite well. It's not too far from uh, Southfields. When we went to the viewing, there was like maybe another 15 operators. Wow. Yeah, the viewing. And it was like, this is, this is crazy. I mean, there's just so much competition to get. Mm. Um, and the, the, the restaurant, it was a pizzeria before we took over. Okay. And it must have been there for about 30 years. So it was in disrepair. I okay. mean, the shop front, literally, you could, if you pushed it, it, it would just collapse. Wow. So there was a lot of investment required. Okay. How did you get that site? Like above the other 14 and 15 operators? So I think it was best bids put forward. Was it? Okay. And then I think we were probably the, 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 the highest bidder. And um, I think because we had a track record with the cafe in Wimbledon or Southfield, yes. that gave us a good covenant to yeah. um, take over the, um, the units. Okay. And I think we budgeted to spend about 100,000 yeah. to refurbish Yixing. In the end, it cost double. Wow. Yeah, which was, um, yeah. Was that just fit out issues or? or yeah, we, we, we started to take things away. And when you start to demolish things, you find things that you didn't expect, or sure. you look at something and you think, oh, that's, that's, that's not right. We'll, yeah. have to, we'll have to adjust that. Sure. And it wasn't planned to go over budget, but it went double over budget. A lot of sleepless nights, wow. a lot of stress. But in the end, after 18 months of trading, it paid off okay. and it was worth the, the stress and the, uh, sleepless nights to get to where we are today. Sure, and I've I've seen again um, many situations that are very similar. Where it goes over a budget, or um, operators struggle for funding. Maybe they don't have enough investment, or whatever it is. 
how did you manage that and did you go back to the bank or did you just have reserves or um we had a little bit of reserves but okay. we had to take on a lot more debt okay. personally which was obviously very stressing stressful yeah. but um we had to get the project finished we had to get it complete we had to get yeah. it open and um when we opened i mean we had about an influx of two or three weeks where it was just full uh, breakfast and lunch which was amazing so okay. it was like because the worst thing you can do when you're opening a cafe or a restaurant is if you open, you have the back of your mind. Will people come in? Mm. Will they like what you're doing? Will yeah. they like your concept? Will mm. they like you? Will they like the food? Mm. Will they like the... I built it, will they come? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you do have these doubts at the back of your mind. Yeah. So when you do actually fill the cafe up, it's a lovely feeling. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and in terms of location then, so obviously that was a prime location mm -hmm. in demand. How did you go about choosing your locations and for your third side as well? So, um, in Southfields, uh, Wimbledon Park, where the first cafe opened, it was literally five minutes from where we were living. Okay. So we knew the area really well. Uh, there was a school next door, a lot of families. Um, so we went for that location. Sheen was very similar to Wimbledon Park, okay. where there's um, a lot of residential. It was on a high street, but there's a lot of families living in the area. There's a few good schools. There's a few good shops and it just had the right feel okay. for the concept we were... In terms of the demographic? Yeah, the demographic yeah. of the, the, the people living in the area. Makes sense. What made us a bit nervous when we opened Sheen was Gales was on the same high street, uh -huh. a little further down, and just after we opened, they closed down. Okay. And I was like, we were like hang on a second, Gales have only been there like six months. Mm. So like, if they've closed, what, what's, what's, why, why have they closed it down? Because obviously Gales is a very successful, yeah. big brand. And uh, I still don't really understand what went wrong for them on that particular site. Because yeah. we're, we're still there, we're quite grateful that our customers are very happy yeah. returning, coming back. But for some reason, Gales, they didn't like it. Very interesting. So I think sometimes maybe if you're on the wrong side of the street, there just can be a little... Possibly. Yeah. I mean, they literally, they were like a couple hundred yards down the road. So. Yeah. But their unit maybe was a bit too small for them. I'm not okay. sure. I don't know. Okay. And then your third site, so you've just recently launched on Charlotte Street. Charlotte Street, London. one of London's most famous streets. Mm. Um, the, the guy that was there before was there for maybe seven years, eight years. Okay. Uh, he just wanted to downsize because obviously the uh, pandemic. Uh, the unit is based over the uh, basement and ground floor. So it was a 45, 50 cover restaurant. The kitchen was already intact. In just needed a bit of a refurbishment to bring it up to the Leaper Bros uh, style. Yeah. And um, we just thought Fitzrovia is always a location that we wanted to open, expand. It's a mix of offices, residential, uh, tourists, um, a, a combination really. And we just thought there was a little gap in the market just to have a concept open on Charlotte Street because there's a lot of Michelin star, fine dining, mm. high-end restaurants, which are amazing. Mm. But if you just want something a bit casual, a bit more casual, sure. uh, light lunch, you can just drop in, have a coffee, quick meeting, sure. catch up with some friends. Sure, get something different on the street. Yeah, I think yeah. so, just to give it a bit, bit of variation. Yeah, makes sense. I think it took some guts to open. I know we're hopefully, fingers crossed, coming out of the pandemic. Yes. But I guess on the other side, it's a balance because the opportunities are there, like you said, yes. and there's better terms available. So again, how did you make that decision and just take the leap and go for it? 
Well, as 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 I said earlier, we, we've looked at many many opportunity many 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 units to try and find the right deal, the right okay. location, the right the right moment to open, and I don't think there is the perfect fit. Okay. So eventually, you have to do as much research as you can. Yeah. And I think you have to have a gut instinct, okay. where you get a good vibe of the the the, the units, yeah. uh, the location, what you're offering, and sometimes you just got to go for it. Sure. So I think um, Charlotte Street is is going to be a very tough challenge, but we're up to the challenge. Yeah. But like you said, I guess it's renowned as a foodie destination, so yes. the footfall will come back eventually. Yes. I mean, it was bizarre when we were looking around in like. July, August, I mean, the street obviously was very, I mean, like the whole of central London, it was just, yeah. it's just like a film. You couldn't make it up for really. yeah, yeah. yeah, Although exactly. now it just feels like a bad dream yeah. because people are coming back and it just feels like it, although it did happen, it feels like it didn't really happen. It's sure. very bizarre, very yeah. weird. Sure. But hopefully it's perfect timing for you now that the floods will start coming back in again. Floods of people start coming Yeah, back. I think um, today as well, being the um, restriction, the, the, the testing for travelers to come to the UK. Yeah. I think this will obviously be the next kick on sure. to get back to normal. Sure, sure. So how is the business doing now in general with your three sites? Is it kind of in a positive position now, ready to kick on or? Yeah, I mean, as I said, in November, 2021, things were starting to really to pick back up. Everything okay. was um, almost all systems go. Then December, obviously, to January dropped off again. But now this month, February, it's already started to go back to pre-December level. So hopefully now it's just gonna kick on for summer. Okay, okay. And so I think you're, you're, you have amazing foundations in place now. You're obviously building your brand. You've got three sites. Your team is growing. Yes. What is the vision? Like, what's the next step? And where do you see this going? What's the potential for Looper Bros? At the moment, we're just going to keep our feet on the ground and just get the three all singing or dancing perfectly. Yeah. But um, I think with the website, the retail coffee, the online shop, I think that's going to be the next stage okay. to get Looper Bros in people's homes having it first thing in the morning, cup of coffee, um, get going global actually, because um, yeah, with the, the internet and um, delivery companies now, okay. getting our beans around the world. Through wholesale, wholesale to Wholesale or, 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 or retail. Okay. So supplying, shipping direct from our roastery that we've just taken on a unit actually in Wimbledon, South Wimbledon. So we're gonna try and expand from okay. there. Okay, interesting. And have you gone down the home delivery route in terms of cooked hot meals, or is it you're staying with the cold side for now? So we, we are on delivery. Okay. So we do use, um, we are um, on delivery platform. So you can order, um, and this is another aspect of the business that we could look at further on down the line. Okay. Maybe with a dark kitchen, possibly. Okay. But again, that's further on down the line. Okay. And any end goal? Like, would you see an exit or franchising or? Maybe a franchise. I mean, we're yeah. just discussing this at the moment. Yeah. Um, we've got some good systems in place. Um, I think if, if our managers want to um, come on board and um, invest as well with us, we are open to discussions and, Interesting. and uh, grow, not just for ourselves, but help our team grow with, you know, their development as well. Okay. Great, so exciting time, sir. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so final question, if you, I guess we're looking back, and maybe there's somebody in your position 10 years ago. Yes. Somebody passionate, young entrepreneur. Yes. Uh, would you have a piece of advice for somebody maybe looking to launch a concept? I think um, you've got to definitely believe in the brand. You've got to believe in, the, in what you want to achieve. 
And I think if you if you got some if you're looking at different um, people that you you aspire to be like, yeah. or you want to emulate, I think definitely go and work with these these companies or these people and gain as much experience and knowledge that you can, and then incorporate it in what your vision is, and try and develop it further to achieve your goals. Mm. Great, I think, I think that's really good advice. I think modeling against Looper Bros wouldn't be a bad idea as well. <laughs> well, we, we're still working progress, so sure. until we get to the end, we're, we're still uh, working on it. Absolutely, absolutely, fantastic. Well, that's great, James, thanks very much. Really fantastic story. I'm sure you're gonna be very successful. Thank you, Pete. Right. Thanks Thank very you. much. Thank you. Cheers.